One of the things that we really miss out on kind of talking about that big picture stuff is we're so busy looking forward that we don't realize that so many of our answers are in the stories of where we have already been. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and mamas, today on the show, we're talking to my good friend, Maxie McCoy, author of You're Not Lost, an inspired action plan for finding your own way. Mamas, I love, love, love Maxie's book. It's part workbook, part kick in the pants to get started building a life you love and truly believing in yourself and your abilities. There are so many great exercises and powerful quotes in it. Much of my copy is highlighted and all marked up. Today, Maxie and I are talking about what it means to be stuck and how to figure out your next steps and find your own way forward. You're going to love it. As always, stick around to the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation with Maxie, or you can head over to the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Maxie. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Hey, Maxie, how are you? Oh, Chelsea, I'm so good. How are you? I'm glad to have you here. I absolutely love your book, You're Not Lost. It's so great. Thank you. You know, I think it just, it hits us all at the right 2020 time, I think. (laughs) Like, oh, I think I need to reread my own book. Is this the the most narcissistic thing anyone's ever said? (laughs) So tell me, did you always know what you wanted to do? Okay. So when I was in the fifth grade, I ran for student council president. I think, okay, I can never remember if I ran for president and got vice president or if I ran for vice president or if I didn't even think to run for president. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Being in front of, you know, that many fifth graders really sparked an interest in public (laughs) speaking. And I spent the next few years taking the magic that happened of saying, don't be fooled by a decoy, vote for the real McCoy in front of my class. (laughs) And I started telling people I wanted to be a public speaker. Now, about what? No one could tell you. But no, in, in all honesty, I have been writing books. I have had an appetite for the various dimensions of communication. And for me, it was just over time figuring out what mattered to me enough that those things could actually come together in a career. And at first I put it in the world of sports broadcasting and that made a lot of sense. And then, you know, eventually into the women's leadership space, which is where I plan to stay. I love it. How many fifth graders were there in your school? I don't actually know, but I can see the sea of matching t-shirts in the library while I was in front of them. (laughs) I don't know. It was like six, probably six classes of 25. So yeah, like around 150. Hey, that's a pretty big first public speaking. And did you come up with that slogan all by yourself? Uh, No, my neighbor, Roseanne Best really helped me on that one. And, you know, naturally, we we put the ducks on the posters. And honestly, Chelsea, I don't think I even knew what a decoy was at the time. (laughs) Well, it worked. And it sounded good. (laughs) Yeah. In Texas, you you know, you, you hunt dove. And I'm sure there was like duck hunting also. And yeah, so here we are. So here we are. And you took public speaking, not politics away from this experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how that <laughs> that was what lit you up about the process. Literally, this is how you know that I'm ne- like, I, yeah, like I even to this day, having never told that story, I've never even thought I should have ran for. No, yeah, no, no, nope, <laughs> never thought it. Not once. 
And I love this, you walking around at, what, 10 years old, wanting to be a public speaker. It reminds me of me walking around in middle school wanting to be an economist. So we were apparently strange children. <laughs> oh, we were strange children, but look at how much we blossomed. I know. We would have been a good pair. I could have used your research <laughs> and inspired the fifth grade class on why they should be saving their lunch money. Look at the position they would be in today. But this all comes back to this idea in your book of a blurry big picture and rethinking how we talk about goals. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, Chelsea, I'm sure you've been in this experience and I I would love to know when and how it happened for you. But for me, when I talk about a blurry big picture, I'm really talking about taking the big picture and moving it aside because we live in a world that is so obsessed with the big picture, you know, the huge goals, this like massive vision for your life. We see people who have, you know, created these unicorn companies or massive businesses. And all of it is fine and well until you're feeling lost. And when you're feeling lost, figuring out those things is really hard to do. I mean, I've been in situations where I have felt so lost that if you told me to write down my goals, the only way that I can describe it is it I can do it, but it feels performative. And so moving aside that big picture and allowing yourself to feel direction versus destination is really what I'm trying to hammer home. Absolutely. And I think that starts so young, right? When we start asking kids like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Exactly. And it is performative because otherwise you wouldn't have an answer. You're like, I don't know. I want to be a fireman or I want to be a public speaker. I mean, you don't know. It's funny actually that you bring that up because anytime I'm I'm giving like a You're Not Lost workshop or keynote... One of my favorite icebreakers is to ask individuals, what did they want to be when they grew up? Because I think that, you know, on one hand, yes, we're kind of putting them into these boxes, like, tell us something, tell us what you want to do. Like, where do you want it all end up? And they're like, I'm five. Like, I don't know. But on the other hand, you know, what I find when I ask that question to large groups of women specifically, which is most of the people that I work with, is (laughs) the answers are outlandish. Like, it's just incredible the things that people wanted to be. And I love it for the sense that there's no boundaries, right? That we have permission to dream, to be creative, to be silly, to tell people we want to be a public speaker, even though we have nothing to public speak about, you know? And so (laughs) so I think that that exercise of coming back to like, what did that wild and free little girl actually actually want? Um, Because I think it can bring us back to being the highest expression of who we are, which is really kind of where I start in all the work of figuring out lost isn't to try and figure out the plan. It's trying to figure out who am I? And who am I when I take all of these cultural constructions away? And so how do you start to do that work? Because those social constructions, I mean, they run deep, right? It's not something that we're even aware of most of the time. No, no, I think, you know, for me, and because we're all very diverse, right? The privilege that I sit in as a white woman and the constructions that I feel pressure are very different than, you know, a woman of color, someone from an underrepresented minority. We could slice that a lot of different ways in terms of dimensions of identity. But the reality is, I find a lot of power in looking to the women who are like us in some of those dimensions, right? And seeing how they do it. Because for some people, you know, if I tell you, be the highest expression of who you are, be more of you, not less of it. I mean, come on, it sounds like an Instagram quotable, 
like punch me in the left boob. (laughs) (laughs) It just is like not helpful, but it is something that really matters because the easiest way to get lost is by blending in. And the more that we can try and operationalize understanding all of the places that we are playing small, the more that we're going to attract all of the right people opportunities on and the right path to begin with. So to circle back also to your question is, look at the women that you identify with, see how they've done it. Go look at the trajectory of their career, their life. If you have access to them, you know, ask those conversations because we don't become these like wildly confident, highest expression of ourselves overnight. It happens in small choices. And so the exercise that I take women through, specifically when talking about this topic, is take a moment to really reflect on what are all the places that you feel like you need to change in order to begin, that you need to change in order to succeed. And what would it look like at first to just not change those things, to just see them, be aware of them. And then eventually, what would it look like to let them go and stop changing it? And then eventually, over time, as you become familiar and comfortable with with that knowledge set, that you actually magnify those things. So in my own life, when I look back, I mentioned I took that that public speaking skill set, not into politics, but into sports broadcasting. You know, at the time, I just, I didn't fit the molds of what sports broadcasters were. I'm 6'1", I've got a shapely figure, I've got incredibly curly hair. It wasn't this like blown out, platinum blonde, fit in the box. Like they used to make me take my shoes off because I was too tall for the monitor. So I would literally record in studio barefoot. Half of my hair was clipped in, you know, like fake hair extensions. So for me at the time, it was, this is not always the case. It could be about the pitch of your voice. It it can be about a number of things. But for me, it was, it was pretty external optic things that I was wrestling with by virtue of that industry. And, you know, when I look back, I'm like, who is this person? And it makes sense that I was feeling so lost at that moment in time because I was truly trying to fit into the mold of what I thought would be successful. But I also knew deep down, I'm literally never going to fit this mold. And by trying to fit into it, I'm losing pieces of myself. And and truly, Chelsea, those are the same pieces that now, you know, a decade plus later are highly magnified in my personality and the way that I talk and the things that I say and the way that I look. And they're also the things people comment on the most, right? You're so yourself. And it's like, yeah, because I'm actually being myself now. (laughs) Well, what type of things are you referencing? Oh, I mean, I'm talking about the color of my hair, the fact that like no one saw my natural curls. I mean, the whole time, like it was always blown out. It was a different color. It was clipped in. Like, I'm not judging any of those things. It just like, shoot, it was a lot of maintenance. And also, you know, for me, it's like, I'm pretty off the cuff. I like being tongue in cheek and and joking around and saying dumb things. Like it just, for me, being myself is really important. And in that situation, you really were just painting a version that had to show up in, in all the ways that it needed to. And that's fine. It just, it wasn't something that really aligned with me, but I tried very hard to fit that mold. And you know, it didn't work. And it makes sense that that was a time in my life when I was feeling so lost because I thought I had to change so many different dimensions about me in order to succeed. 
I think it's so interesting how sometimes those physical manifestations are the easiest thing to spot. And I'm thinking about the fact that, you know, I worked in a very large hedge fund, which has a certain type of culture that people are aware of. But I was a person who like my winter coat was a Carhartt big winter coat. And I would wear it into the office. And every time I would be like, this is no one else. Why is everyone else wearing these like thin, long coats that don't actually keep you warm? It's cold. Uh-huh. It's but it was cold. that. And then yeah. every day I'd get home and the first thing I would do is take my like change my clothes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd come in the door and go upstairs. And I was at a, we were at a bar for drinks at one point. I was like a couple I was several years into my career and I made a comment about it of like, I can't wait to get home and change. And I realized that no one else that worked with me did that. They were like, What are you talking about? And <laughs> it's like you don't go home and like put jeans or sweatpants on. And they're like, Well, not till I go to bed. You're like, okay, well, here we are. Isn't that so interesting? You know, the the physical manifestations, I think, are, to your point, they're just really easy to spot. The spiritual, the emotional, the other ones, you kind of have to look at like, wow, like I really was trying to fit molds that when I look back on it, weren't at all what I wanted to show up as and do and be. Even from, you know, like, do you take your accent off because you want, you know, and we could go deep into this, but it, it can get, it just, it's so different for different people based on, you know, your background and, and also, you know, within the constructs of the patriarchy, what is, what is allowed by virtue of the color of your skin or not, which I can't speak to, you know? Yeah, neither can I. I think they can be the canary in the coal mine for the spiritual things, right? When you're feeling the physical discomfort, like using that as an opportunity to explore, like where else maybe am I trying to fit in? Mm-hmm. And fitting in, man, just, I, you know, it's like, no, just don't do it. <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> and I loved your point too, about looking at women you admire. You actually shared on Instagram the other day, the quickest way to elevate your life is to surround yourself with women who like themselves. Mm-hmm. And it was such a realization of like, wow, like, I don't think until the last couple of years, I really had a lot of women in my life who seemed to like themselves. Like everyone was always improving something, working on something, you know, it's just, it's hard. And in those conversations where it's like, this is like, so if you're not supportive of yourself, how can you be supportive of me? And you know, the thing that I have found, and especially when we talk about the comparison game, right? Like when we're always looking to our left and looking to our right. And obviously, this is so easy to do on Instagram. But especially when you're feeling lost, it is man, can that take you down some bad spirals? And, you know, I speak from experience. I'm by no means perfect at this. But what I have found is that when you're able to surround yourself with women who might know their purpose or might know, you know, their own power, that they like themselves, they are the ones that are so able to generously show up for you. And not that they give you all of their time or their money or their connects. It's just that, their presence is so generous and giving because they're so sure of who they are and where they're going that they don't have to worry what you're up to. They just want nothing but the best. Exactly. And so tell me, so the sports broadcaster thing, you start to realize you're never going to fit in. What did you do? So <laughs> I did a few things and not all <laughs> that I would recommend. You know, it was a couple of years of meandering in all honesty. And, and the inflection point for me, you know, kind of came to where I'm like, I couldn't tell you, Chelsea, where I would want to be if my life depended on it. I mean, at that point, I was pretty sure that I had peaked in high school or maybe at that fifth grade rally. And it was just all downhill for the for the next 
um, you know, 60 whatever years. And, you know, none of that was true. What I ended up doing was going through an exercise where, you know, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. Now, in hindsight, it's one of the exercises that I that I've put in my book, because I think that when you are at the depths of that lost fog, you don't know where it's all going. Or you kind of have a glimpse of that northern star, but you literally have no clue how to get from here to there. One of the things that we really miss out on kind of talking about that big picture stuff is we're so busy looking forward that we don't realize that so many of our answers are in the stories of where we have already been. So if we would just take a minute to turn around, we can call that data, those experiences, both negative and positive to understand, actually, there's an entire data set in my own life. Like, I don't need another podcast, sorry, speaker, book, worksheet, like, you know, I don't need any of this to life coach, therapist, love therapist. I don't actually need any of that to tell me where I'm going. I, I need to take a minute to reflect on where I've been to see if that gives me answers first. I'm a big fan of asking women questions that lead them to their own truths instead of us trying to look externally for that. But I also think experiences like this, like what we're listening, what everyone else is listening to, <laughs> the conversation you and I are having, you know, speakers, books, all of that external stuff, when it leads us back to ourselves is is where I think these things can be really powerful. And, you know, for me, in my own experience, to answer your question was, I made a choice to look back. And I was like, where was I actually feeling proud, energized? And it all came down to the writings that I had been doing that were all focused on women's stories, the plays I was involved in, vagina monologues, the women's leadership courses, women's studies, like all of these moments were things that brought me great joy and great energy. And I was like, okay, literally I have no idea what to do with any of that. But I, it's very clear that this is what brings light to my life. So why don't I just find a way to maybe do this in my own time? Um, and so I signed up for a writing course here in San Francisco. I chose to write about that kind of, you know, hodgepodge, but it had a lot of unity to it, which was women's stories, a lot of career centric stuff, a lot of women's issues. If you know, you were to like put taxonomy on it. And I signed up for a writing course and I decided to write about those topics in the form of a book proposal. You know, it was just an exercise. It was led by a literary agent out of New York and the eight women in it would all, you know, kind of workshop each other's work. And a woman in that class who actually just got a, a thank you note from yesterday, um, she's still in my life because I'm, I'm so grateful to her opening up my rocket ship for me. But she brought in the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle business section. And she said, hey, these girls have just raise venture capital to build out a company that's touching on all the issues that you're writing about, which she knew because she was workshop, the class would workshop the work. And she was like, you should get in touch with them and just, you know, maybe try and build out your writing profile there. And sure enough, I got in touch with them, but it was so much more than that. I ended up being the fifth employee at their company. I, I built out our global network of offline communities. So I spent the next five years, you know, on a United airplane more than I was in my own apartment in San Francisco. Feels very outdated when I say that because I can't <laughs> even imagine being on a plane. But um, yeah, and it just, it truly changed 
the trajectory of my life, which hindsight is beautiful like that. I can look back and be like, oh, look at all those things that happened. But at the time, when I was signing up for a writing class, I wasn't like, I'm signing up for a writing class because I'm going to have a book that's in every bookstore and, you know, at Urban Outfitters and at the airports and da da da. And this is what it's going to become. I was literally doing it because it was one small way to put that energized energy that I had reflected on into action. And I think that we have to, you know, we have to trust that the path shows up as we step. Most often, it's not ahead of time. It's not just laid out and like, here you go, girlfriend. Absolutely, Maxie. You take those first steps and the next steps get clearer, but you'll never see the path if you don't start to move. And I want to talk more about what made you finally sign up for that writing class. But before we do, let's take a quick pause to hear about one of our partners who helped make the Smart Money Mama show possible. Have you ever wanted to start a blog or online business, but were intimidated by the tech or worried that it would cost far too much money? What if you could set up your site in just minutes? For less than $3 a month. Bluehost lets you do just that. For $2.95 a month, you can buy your own domain name, host your website, and instantly install WordPress so you can get right to work creating your corner of the internet. When I started Smart Money Mamas, Bluehost had me up and running in less than 15 minutes, writing my first blog post and putting me on the path to where I am today. And when I got stuck, support was there to jump in and help me keep moving. I am forever grateful to them for making my first step in this journey so easy. So are you ready to start your online business? Head to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Bluehost to dive in. So Maxie, with the writing class, was this a risk at all for you when you first signed up? Or was this an easy decision to make? Like, how much did it cost? Did you have to consider it in your budget? If I were to just have answered that without doing what I'm about to tell you next, I'd be like, yeah, I remember it was more money than my like 20 something self wanted to spend at the time. And so I really contemplated it. That's what I would have told you. Not too long ago, I went back to my emails because I wanted to tell that agent who led that class where I ended up and how I actually did have a book and it did do really well. And, and here's, you know, kind of this success that in all honesty, she jump started. I wanted to close that loop for her. So I went back to my emails and I was looking through the thread and I was like, oh my God, I almost didn't take this course because for a number of reasons, it was more money than I wanted to handle and could handle. But I, there was something in me that was like, make it work and figure it out and, you know, move some things around in the budget to do this because your soul is important here. But more than anything, she had originally told me that it looked like there weren't any spots left. I had emailed her asking her, like, I know that the registration has closed. Is there any way? And she was like, well, if this last person who I haven't gotten payment from them drops out, I'll let you know. And you, you know, you can join if you get me the check by whatever day. That person dropped out and then I was allowed in. And so it really, you know, again, it feels kismet in hindsight. I actually had totally forgotten that piece that I didn't really even make registration into this class until someone else chose to not, you know, submit their payment. And then I, you know, I shimmied my way in. But yeah, I think these are the types of things that we have to really consider, not consider like, are we spending this money not for this unpromised outcome that we hope will change our life? But are we making these choices? Because this actually is going to be the energy that can turn my day to day weeks around. And for me, I'm really looking to things that improve 
the moments, the presence in our days versus where it's all going to end up. Because as you said, you know, the path unfolds as you're, as you're stepping it, but you step and also the path that looked like it was going left is suddenly going right. Because when you show up for your life, it never ends up how you thought it was going to. Showing up creates feedback loops that allows you to make better and better decisions, that allows you to get more and more confident in your ability to step to begin with, even though you don't know where it's all ending up. And I think that if you like the step you're taking, then to some degree, it kind of all becomes worth it. Because I mean, kind of how we started at the beginning of this conversation, you know, success is an ever evaporating horizon line, like the closer you get to it, you start the podcast, and you're like, Oh, my God, five years ago, this was my biggest dream. And now it's done all these things. But now I've created new dreams on myself, I've raised the bar on myself again. So then literally, when is it ever enough? And my only antidote to that is, is really appreciating the moments, which, you know, I, I feel like I kind of had to learn the hard way when my book came out, which is a whole other <laughs> story. Well, tell us the other story. <laughs> well, I mean, I just, you know, I, I think that when I say I had to learn that the hard way, it's because, you know, having, having a book that did and continues to do what my book has done was everything I've ever wanted. I mean, even, you know, signing up for a nonfiction writing class, like that's the dream, right? You don't, I wasn't doing it for that at the time or thought that that was like an actual reality. But having a book was just something that was, you know, when I was in elementary school, going to the Matthews Elementary Horseshoe Press, you know, with the volunteer parents and writing books. I think my first, the first book I ever wrote was, there's two, and I, I never remember which one came first, but one was The Magnificent Life of Maxie McCoy. Very prophetic. It was a two-part volume, by the way. <laughs> That's what you could public speak about was your, your uh-huh, life up to yeah. that point. <laughs> exactly. And the other was How to Be a Bridesmaid, which also very prophetic in my life. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Because I was a junior bridesmaid at that time for my aunt. But anyways, I joke about those. But really, writing and speaking have been just kind of in my DNA. But you know, so a book comes out and you're on a book tour and you're meeting all these people and you're literally like, I'd have these out of body moments where I'm like, I am signing this hundred plus person line. They are waiting in line to have me sign their book. I'm literally so confused because I have been in these lines my whole life. Like, It's just, wow, you know, but at the same time, you know, I was going through all of that and and just becoming overly concerned with where is this all going? How is it working out? How is it ending up? What list is it on? Also, what do I do from here? What do I build from here? What am I even doing with my life? Yeah, I mean, it spiraled pretty quickly because I forgot my own work. I forgot to come back to the moments of the woman you know, sending me a message on LinkedIn saying that she's in Afghanistan, listening in the Marines, listening to it on Audible, signing up for a Microsoft AI course so that she can make prosthetics for kids after everything that she's seen. And she, you know, are just submitted her early retirement papers and is attributing that shift, this thing that she's always wanted to do, but didn't have the confidence to do it to reading my book. And it just makes you want to slap yourself upside the head. It's like, those are the moments that matter. 
exponentially compared to all of these months of press hits and book sales and, you know, mentions and whatever combined. And it's just so easy to lose sight of it when we're trying to quote unquote, hit these goals when really it's it's the moments that make up those goals that are all that we have and all that all that really matter. And, and the only reason I was reminded of that is because one of my best girlfriends opened up my book and started reading it out loud to me at <laughs> breakfast. And she was like, girl, please, like, you know exactly what you're doing. Like, listen to your own work. So... I think that's so interesting that happened after the book was published, right? Which I think ties back to that idea of summit syndrome too, which is, well, what do I do once I get to the goal? I don't, wait, what is summit syndrome? I've never heard of this. So summit syndrome can often be tied to imposter syndrome where like you just keep trying to go after the next achievement very often leads to burnout because you're not going after something that's actually fulfilling. You're just stuck on, I need a goal, I need a goal, I need a goal. And so eventually you reach a level where there's nowhere else to go really on the mountain that you're on. Yeah. And then it's, I'm completely lost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's such a, just a beautiful visual that I've never heard before. And I'm grateful for that because yeah, it's, we all make that mistake, but you know, being able to have the tools that when you do get there, right? Like, for me, being on stages all over the country on my book tour while I was feeling lost myself, talk about imposter syndrome. But it wasn't until I had this event in Miami um, with Red Bull and I had like 250 women from Tampa who are, by the way, the bomb. Anybody (laughs) in Tampa that is listening, you're the bomb. And I was like, you know what? Like I was rehearsing in my room before I went on. I was like, I think I'm just going to be honest. Like, I think I'm just going to kind of put this whole spiel and these notes down. Like, I'm going to do the thing, but I'm also just going to tell them a bit about, you know, how I'm feeling and and what tools of my own book I'm using to kind of combat this and why I think it happened. At that point, I had had some time to reflect and hands down, best event ever, because it's just like, it's real. They were there to support me. And it also is nice to know that, we all go through this. I think especially kind of to your point, when you've maxed out in a certain way, whether you are goal obsessed or not, but when you're expanding and and when you're moving into something that you haven't done before, you're trying something new, it can, you know, it can just be easy to kind of fall into the traps of goals, external validation, you know, hyper specific plans when really you just need to believe in yourself enough to take those many steps consistently. And I mean, you know, this in the same way that I do it, you can make really cool things for people by just continuously showing up for the things that matter to you. And you'll attract the people who that also matters to them. Absolutely. And I want to talk about some of the ideas or some prompts to really identify where your next steps are. But first, we hear a lot from women who've built careers, right? And they've built lives based on all the things they were supposed to do. You went and built a sports broadcasting career. I went and built an investing career. And they start to feel that they need to do something else, right? They need to take some steps. They need to be true to themselves. But one of the questions that we get back is like, well, now I feel like I wasted 15 years or I wasted 10 years. How do you overcome that block that that time was not a waste? Yeah. So you built a successful career. Mine was budding. I'm not sure if I could call it a full stamped career yet, but 
in sports broadcasting nonetheless. But I think that feeling is is so valid. And I definitely had it because all of my training, internships, early choices, mentors, everything was around this one specific industry, right? And the thing that I come back to, if there's anybody feeling that way, is it is the work that you've done, the experiences that you've had, they are not for naught. They are not lost. They are not irrelevant. You are not irrelevant just because you no longer want to pursue the things that you have spent so much time pursuing. And the way to get yourself out of that mindset is to take time to sit down, to reflect. And we're going to talk about this with the prompts also, but kind of what I was saying before of like, we have this entire data set of experiences in our lives. There are things that we have learned. It may not be explicit. It can be our leadership qualities. It can be skill sets. It can be contacts that we built that will be the bridge that take us into the new industry, the new way of life, the new career, the new town, whatever that is for you. We're never going to get there though, if we don't take a minute to understand what was learned, what did we get out of it, and what are the things that can be the carryover, right? And Chelsea, this is actually something that I see women do a lot, and I know I've done in my own life, or people do a lot, and I've personally done in my own life, where you're so ready to be done with something that you just literally want to lock it in the back closet, put five padlocks on that experience or industry or job and never look at it again. You're so done. And while I think being done is clarity, I don't think that we should take full chapters of our lives unless they were obviously harmful and put them away because there's pieces of ourselves that can be evolved, that can be layered onto, that can be reapplied to different work, to different experiences, to different people that can really serve us. But sometimes you have to learn that the hard way. You have to like do the whole locking padlock thing and then like go back and say, actually, I want this skill set for my future life. Actually, I'm going to take this piece of me with me. And I I hope that we do, because I think that there, even in the dark stuff, there's a lot of strength that gets built there and, and various things that we actually can take with us while not taking it all. This has actually opened up another thing for me, though, is like this difference between being completely done and just needing to walk away for something and then discomfort that makes us feel like we're on the wrong path. And like, there's two different narratives that bother me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them. One being if you do work you love, you'll never work a day in your life. I fundamentally disagree. I agree. <laughs> okay, I agree with you. <laughs> like, I fundamentally disagree. These tropes are just, like, so not helpful. And by the way, I think that was my girl Oprah who said that. Or she was, like, one of the... the no disrespect to Oprah. <laughs> no, never. I have prayer candles with her face on them next to me. Like, <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> You and I are both, like we have both gotten our lives evolved to a place and our careers specifically where we are doing exactly the work that we might have dreamed of and we're layering onto it and we're testing things. But I have so many days where I am doing so much BS that like, I'm like, for real, if I set up another effing MailChimp newsletter or Canva image, and by the way, I have a team, I have a business partner in Woman On, I have 
a virtual assistant. You know, I've got a call later on on some digital marketing stuff um, that I'm, you know, I've got my people around me. I know how to delegate, but there's so much work that in the hats of running a business and the other parts of your life that like, I do love my life. I still have chunks of things that really feel like work and it's intense and my days can be intense. And yes, I love it. And yes, some days can be grueling. And I just fundamentally disagree with that quote. (laughs) I totally do too. And I think that especially paired with the push to entrepreneurship and that like everyone should be an entrepreneur is just really disingenuous of like, well, maybe I'm doing the wrong business. And it's like, no, being an entrepreneur is just really freaking hard. I mean, I call it the lie of the big leap. Like we have glamorized, like turning your side hustle into your full-time job. We have glamorized, like leaving your corporate career to start your own thing and I mean, I don't know about you, but I did that in stages. I didn't just like wake up one day and say, I'm going to put all my like life savings at this business. I had been writing online. I had been making money online before I did it on my own. And the thing that I would say to anybody listening is ask people you look up to where it looks like they did this big leap about how it actually worked. And you'll see that more times than not that that big success was inversions 10 years in the making. Which, yeah, I just, I wish we peeled back the layers because this stuff is hard, and especially in economies like the one we're currently in, over-glamorizing, you know, that money just turns on or that people just built audiences overnight. Like, the people with big audiences have been doing it when the internet was less crowded. Absolutely. And I think that it's not that you can't build an audience, right? I mean, oh no, but you it's can just going to be slow. And yeah, you just, yeah, or you want to know that you're putting money against that growth. And yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm in a program right now where I'm coaching about 150 Brit and Co business owners on, on starting their own business. And you know, that balance of it's just the realism with the vision. And I think that you can make really good decisions about money, about your goals, about your career, if you actually know the realities from the people who have been in the game. And I also think it's funny, I was just tying together, there's some people that say, like, we can't be honest about childbirth and about motherhood, because then no one would want to do it. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) which is very similar to entrepreneurship, right? Well, we have to glamorize it. Otherwise, how do you get the courage to jump in? And it's like, no, there's all these beautiful, amazing things, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be honest about what it looks like. It's amazing and big fan of the and. And I think, you know, I think that is the grass is just not greener on the other side of anything. It just has different versions, different shades of green. And you want to make sure that it's the shade that you actually were planning on. Yeah. And the second statement that I was going to make was the one of just chase your passion. Oh, you know that this is a hot button for me. Well, and that's why I had to press the button. I want to hear your take. Oh, man, I just am on a soapbox today. No, you know, I mean, listen, follow your passion, find your purpose. Like this is advice that we give to people when they're feeling lost and they don't know what they want to do with their career, their life. And I just call the BS button because we are smart, enterprising, educated, hardworking, multidimensional people. 
if it were that easy just to find our passion and follow our purpose, we would be doing it already. And so, you know, when I heard I feel lost from so many women while at that part in my career, and I obviously continue to hear it, finding your passion and following your purpose was advice that was given out to solve that, but it wasn't helping anyone. It doesn't actually work when you are feeling lost because you're like, yeah, well, if I knew that I would be trying to do that. It's, I think, something that comes around on the other side. And instead of trying to find your passion and follow your purpose, I think it's really building a deep sense of belief in yourself, in what lights you up and what energizes you, which this will get us to the prompts, to know that make choices and decisions around that. And actually, the the passion and purpose will be what you end up finding on the other side, but it's not the place that you start. Absolutely agree. All right, Maxie, tell us some of the prompts. How do we get unstuck, unlost? There's so many worksheets and exercises and things that build on themselves. But just one of the core foundational pieces of reflection that I would encourage anyone to do that is feeling lost is to take some time to just ask yourself. And I like to time cap it. You can do one year, you can do three years, you can do five years to look back and just ask, like, what are the things that energized me the most? What are the things that drained me? What are the things that friends and family are always coming to me, asking me for advice or wisdom on? You know, what are the things that made me feel the most proud? And then if you can just look at your answers in that, browse, maybe circle, you know, words that continue to come up, write, like you can just like write and write and write and really like look to the stories, look to the projects, look to the people that you worked with. And really take some time on those questions. And then once you have some semblance of answers that are coming up and what is really kind of guiding some of these reflections, you know, for me, it was like women's stories, women's career issues. Like those were the things that always come up for me. And then you ask yourself one follow-up question, which is what is the absolute smallest thing that I can do about putting this energy into action? Because what happens when we do that, when we show up, And we make a web page. Maybe it's a lander we taught ourselves on YouTube. When we show up and we make that one email to somebody that we want to have coffee with to specifically ask them how they transitioned from finance to marketing. When we show up and we take that one class on mural painting, whatever it is, what that does is that showing up that action, it helps us understand our belief in ourselves a little bit more. We get some feedback, we get some knowledge about ourselves. And then we continue to ask ourselves, what's the absolute smallest thing I can do to put this positive, energizing, prideful, alive energy into action? And you keep making small choices. Those small choices over and over and over again become the building blocks of getting you to exactly where you want to be. There are a lot of different ways to cross the street. You can get to the place that you don't even know you want to be right now so many different ways, but you won't if you're either A, dead set on one path, or B, you just refuse to move. I love that. The smallest step thing, I think, is just giving your permission to move in any way that makes sense for you at the moment. And sometimes it's as small as we talk about this with money sometimes, especially with like money fear of like, let's not try to figure out the budget. Let's not figure out how you're going to save for retirement. Let's just Google one thing. Like just look up the answer to a question you have. Yep. And that can be the thing that you do today as long as you do something. 100%. It's just, yeah, it's just show up for it in small ways. Because like, also you don't build your dreams overnight. It 
takes a long time and it, yeah, it just requires you to get out of your head. Absolutely. And then Maxie, when we're taking these steps, we're going to make mistakes, right? And we're going to have times when we are like, oh crap, I really screwed that up. And then there's going to be minor mistakes. How do you get through those things and continue to take steps when I think a lot of people get afraid when they've had a misstep? Oh, man. Well, you're gonna have missteps. And just knowing that ahead of time is, I think, can help you. And then, you know, I feel like failures, bad decisions, unchoice decisions, they're just full of information that is going to lead you forward. So the only thing that you can do in many failures or big failures is really understand what the lesson was there whether it was following your intuition, whether it wasn't being overly trusting, whether it was following you know, your gut, whatever it ends up being, those mistakes have so much to teach you. You just have to know that you're going to make them. Every single person does, but they are a sign that you are in it. I love that. So Maxie, you published You're Not Lost in 2018. You've been organizing these events. What are you working on now? I am working on, I'm very excited about this fall. You know, I'm working on Woman On, which is a collective that helps women see the best parts of themselves in the stories of other people and then really have an understanding on how to apply that to their own life. Cause, you know, we're all just looking for the next right decision. I'm pulling some things together to support women in doing that, which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very pumped about. It's kind of for me, the answer to so many people just asking me like, where can we connect again? Where can we do this again? You know, and being able to have a place for that. It's basically, you know, like Oprah's daytime meets church. So this is going to be an online community, an in-person community? Well, we know what year it is. You know, last year it was supposed to be in-person Right now, it's going to be digital. And yeah, we'll layer the in-person back on over time once that is a viable option. And any last pieces of advice for mamas out there who are feeling a little bit lost before we have you try on our sorting hat? Yeah, you aren't lost. You will always be finding your way just like Chelsea and I are. But just yeah, just take it one step at a time and don't overlook all that you've done. I love it. All right, Maxie, I just told you we're going to have you try on our sorting hat. I can't wait. Our sorting hat is our version of Hot Seat, where we ask the magical hat to reveal something about you. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite self-care activity? Ooh, not sleeping with my phone in the bedroom. It has changed my life. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's like, it's amazing getting the technology out of the bedroom. Like we moved the TV out a couple years ago and it just like was amazing. I mean, isn't it wild? I think especially for those of us that are like always having ideas and things and people and connections and which is like basically everyone. <laughs> yeah. Just moving, moving your phone away so that you don't have a choice at, you know, one o'clock in the morning to look up that thing to add to your to-do list tomorrow and to have you know, five minutes to wake up without your emails and messages and texts like in your face. I'm a couple years in on this one. And it is the single best decision I've made to help with clarity, anxiety, sleep. It's really been truly a gift. That's awesome. I have to get on that train. Maxie, where can mamas follow up with you, find you, find your book? 
Yeah, you can find my book anywhere books are sold. I am very active on the gram. It's at Maxie McCoy. You can sign up for my weekly inspirational writings on MaxieMcCoy.com. And if you want to keep an eye on what is launching in the fall, which will be available anywhere people live, it's WomanOnCollective.com. Awesome. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes, Mamas. Maxie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Chelsea, thanks for having me. This was the best. Mamas, I get total joy out of talking to Maxie, hearing her story and her advice for other women to find their true selves and path. As you heard in this episode, you can feel her support for other women and their power and potential in her words. She always gives me this burst of energy when I talk to her. There's actually a part in her book called You're Not Lost. We'll have a link in the show notes to that book where she says, I believe there's nothing more powerful in our lives than a circle of supportive women. She goes on to talk about a mentor hour she was at with some young professional women and says, one of the young women asked me how I usually landed my speaking gigs, brand partnerships, press, and big opportunities. I hadn't ever verbalized where all my success came from, but my lightning quick response showed just how sure I must have subconsciously been about this all along. Deep relationships with women who believe in me. Period. The end. Mamas, Maxie and I are cheering you on and lifting you up. But when you're feeling stuck, continue to look for women in your life who lift you up and be that friend, cheerleader, and advocate for others. As always, I rounded up my top three favorite takeaways from this conversation with Maxie so you can get yourself unstuck and get to living your best life. First, not knowing is part of the journey. We're going to go through different phases in our lives where we just don't get to know where we're headed or what's the perfect right choice. We can't make a big decision once and then expect life to never change. Honestly, I think that's a good thing. Life would be pretty static and boring otherwise. But like Maxie said, while these moments of not knowing are frustrating and anxiety-inducing and scary as hell, they are what lead up to beautiful, better things. The uncertainty comes from growth and change. Don't rush through the uncomfortable feelings. Lean into them and look for the changes you can make, not to get back to normal, but to get to somewhere better. Second, you're going to make mistakes. Lots of them. It's just part of the game of the trial and error to figuring ourselves out. Don't say you're open to making mistakes. Commit to making them. Know that if you're trying and growing and taking risks, that making some mistakes is a sign that you're out there doing the work, doing hard things. Mistakes are a sign you're working. And finally, third, you can't know the end destination, at least not yet, but you can start taking small steps. As Maxie said, ask yourself when you have felt most proud. When do you feel most energized and fulfilled? then make space for those things in your calendar and in your life and protect them. In Monday's episode, we'll be talking more about the power of small steps and how to take action when finding your path, but don't overthink it. Don't stay in your intellectual perfectionist brain. Just do something for you, something that excites you and see where it leads. You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Maxie again for joining me on the show and sharing her story and all her incredible knowledge. As a reminder to download your free copy of the Discover Your Passion Project workbook or for a summary of our key takeaways along with the links to Maxie's book and her site, head to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Maxie. Thanks for hanging out with us today. You're amazing. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time. <laughs>